0: Toronto! I wonder if they can hear it on Long Island. 2-on-0, great save by Anderson. Riley stayed onside, the late man Matthews, great move, what a goal! Beauty, Austin Matthews! Matthews flipped it up for Marner, Mitch Marner, centering, half into the net, scores! He took fast down and his shot strapped in the corner!
1: Hey everybody, welcome to episode 15 of Not Another Leafs Podcast, the Thomas Cabriolet edition, number 15, former Leaf, absolute stud. This podcast is brought to you by DraftKings. Download the DraftKings app now. New users enter the code THPN, that's THPN at signup. Pleased to be joined as always by my co-host, Kenny Stapon and Ken, Oilers Leafs. Man, I feel like we blow this game up in the preview more than we talk about the actual result
0: in a normal season that would be understandable based off the fact that these teams only see each other twice a year but that's not the case this year as the oil and the maple Leafs are going to be playing three more times in the next week and a half as uh they play again tomorrow night obviously so redemption road for toronto and then they have a couple of games in edmonton following a uh, back-to-backs against calgary not back-to-backs like on a nightly basis but two contests against calgary i should say i think this contest was in the large part underwhelming is people were expecting goals to be coming by the bunches. And I can't tell you how many tweets I saw last night saying, Oh, it was the Edmonton Montreal game that was supposed to be what Toronto and Edmonton was or uh, the Vancouver and Montreal game, where there was a ton of offense, I believe 10 goals in regulation. And that one, that's what we were expecting from Edmonton and Toronto. Instead, it ends up being more of a defensive standoff, lots of clogging up of the neutral zone. And, Draw ends up being on the wrong end of a three to one loss.
1: Like when I look back at the first ever matchup between Matthews and McDavid, so five years ago, 2016. And when I analyze the matchups between the two, the, the two highlights that come to mind is Cadre's overtime winner in 2016. That was a thrilling game. That was our first year at CSM. And last year, McDavid's highlight reel goal where he danced around Morgan Riley. And it's been on every highlight show since. That. Those are the two that really come to mind, Kenny. I mean, last night, obviously, star-studded players got on the score sheet. Matthews got his second goal of the season. sidle finally got his first goal of the season. But McDavid, he got a primary assist on the empty netter. He had some chances. He had the one-two-on-one with Cashin, who should have buried. That was ridiculous. But again, not a lot of high-flying, highlight action that we were expecting.
0: Yeah, with those high-powered where with this high powered offensive matchup, I think everybody was expecting goals by the bunches and credit Toronto as defense has been what they've been criticized for most over the past several seasons. I thought that they came in with a definitive game plan tonight to slow down McDavid and Drysidel. And to their credit, they were able to do that now, whether or not that was at the expense of them being able to create offensively, like that's what seemed to be the general perception at the end of the game. You heard Mitch Marner talk about it here at Austin Matthews, talk about it, saying that they still have to play their game while they figure out how to shut down the opposition. They weren't able to do that tonight, really not generating a ton of high probability scoring chances, at least five on five by my estimation. And they end up coming away with the L.
1: Unfortunate loss up front too. Obviously they lost Nick Robertson early in the season and now they're without number 97, their oldest player and I believe the oldest active player in the NHL, Jumbo Joe. And Sheldon Keith, did say after the game that he is going to miss some serious time, Kenny.
0: This is going to lead to a lot of questions. And something that we highlighted in the last pod, or something that I threw out on Twitter anyways, was that with Nick Robertson going down and the Leafs choosing to dress the seventh defenseman, that would kind of insinuate that they didn't really think they have a whole bunch of depth at the wing position. position. And now you lose Joe Thornton in addition to Nick Robertson, who are both, it seems like are going to miss at least a, a significant amount of time. It seemed from Sheldon Keith, he didn't seem too optimistic about Jumbo Joe's prognosis, which would, I don't, I don't want to speculate on the injury. You hope it's not something broken, like a broken arm, but it very well could be at his age. It didn't, it seemed like a kind of not like a, not an overly vicious play. It's just kind of one of those bump and runs and, obviously Joe ends up worse for wear. So this is going to ask some questions about the manage- from the management and from the coaching staff about how they adjust. And I, to be honest, would not be surprised to see Toronto continue to go with a seventh defenseman in the lineup, at least in the short term, as they try to figure out who's going to draw in on those top two lines.
1: Yes, and, and luckily with their good depth in the system as well, I'm sure Keith will be able to effectively juggle the lines. Maybe we'll see Hyman and Matthews paired together once again, like the early... The early days when they were first coming into the league or perhaps they'll stick matthews and marner together but again a huge loss i don't believe jumbo joe missed more than 10 games a season when he was with san jose i'm pretty sure he almost always played the full 82 so for him to be hunched over and clearly in in obvious distress and to leave the ice god forbid kenny hope not some something's broken
0: yeah, no, that's that's exactly what you hope. But he's an older player, and this has to be expected. When you have an older player in the lineup, they just aren't as durable as the young guys who are just buzzing around the ice all the time. So this should have been expected from the organization. The Maple Leafs, you know, rehabilitation and, like, their team doctors and everything are seconds to none in the league. So hopefully they can get Jumbo Joe back to health quickly because this lineup needs him. And to be quite frank, they've looked better when – he's been on the wing that top line has looked excellent with Thornton Matthews and Marner. So I was actually covering a little piece regarding Mike Babcock because that story between him
1: and Mitch Marner resurfaced Kenny and he spoke Mike Babcock spoke that is with Peter LeBron via the athletic and that story in 2016 where Marner was asked to reveal players with the best work ethic to the least work ethic. Now there's been some changes and Babcock has uh, confirmed a few things, but there's been uh, one glaring thing that he said wasn't true. And he said he did not disclose to the entire team what Mitch thought of everybody's work ethic. It was just Tyler Bozak. But either way, I feel like that's just an easy out for Mike Babcock because it's a scum move. It doesn't matter the way you put it. You told a player and that could leak out to the rest of the team. And for Marner he's vulnerable as a rookie. So I feel like Babcock's trying to sweep this under the rug. Still a dick move.
0: Yeah. Like the whole article, I didn't really need the whole tone of it. Like, it just seems like kind of self-serving for Babcock. Like I'm going to try to polish up a turd after it's, you know, it's already out there and his public perception has been smashed off the way that he handled this whole situation. And I don't. I really have a whole lot of time for it. Like I, even with Babcock's explanation, it still seems unacceptable. And when you look at his track record and the way he's been perceived through the years as he's coaching and the decisions that he's made, whether it's you know scratching Jason Spezza in the opener, which was one of the lesser things that he's done, you look at him scratching Mike Madonna as a healthy scratch when he was about to register fifteen hundred games. You look at him benching Chris Chelios in the winter classic and keeping him, I believe it was under three minutes of ice time in that contest, only to ask him to try to go out there to kill a penalty in the last minute of the game, which he was like, I'm not doing that. You, you just sat my ass for the whole period. Uh, the Johan Franzen situation in Detroit, where he reportedly openly berated Franzen to the point where he was emotionally distressed and depressed based off of the way that Mike Babcock treated him. So when I look at all these examples and then I look at the players defending him and by the players defending him, I mean the lack of sometimes silence is louder than any statement that's made. And I haven't seen anybody come out in defense of Mike Babcock, none of his former players. It seems like it's only former players who like to pile on him. So that would say something about his tactics The one takeaway from the LeBron article for me was that he was suggesting that I think he just kind of casually threw it out there at the end saying, oh, you know, I would be open to returning to coaching, but it would have to be in the right situation and I wouldn't approach it the same way. Basically, it's this is him raising up the flag, saying that he's ready to come back into the league, but he's only going to do it for a contender. Now, do I think that a lot of a lot of teams should consider Babcock? I do. He's one of the most accomplished coaches in the league, in league history. I mean, you look at him, Stanley Cups, gold medals. like He's had a phenomenal resume, and I think that he will eventually end up behind the bench of another NHL franchise in the future. Will that be next year, the year after? Who knows, but I don't think this is the last we've seen from Babcock behind the bench.
1: An interesting situation, too, because now he has ties to NBC. I believe he's going to start soon as an analyst. But remember, the Toronto Maple Leafs still owe Mike Babcock over $5 million plus until 2023. So either he's going to bask in that and say, whatever, I'm just going to chill in my uh, Barbados condominium, whatever. Or I'm going to come back as an NBC analyst. I don't see him being that effective considering players don't want anything to do with him. Like you imagine him post game on NBC, just saying like, well, oh, he's a good skater, right? Uh, You can skate. Like, he's just going to analyze it as if he's doing a post game presser as, as a coach. I don't think it's really going to work. And we've seen in the past, former coaches try to be an analyst and it doesn't work. John Tortorella had a brief stint at TSN and that didn't work out, but he got back
0: into the league right after he did. Like, uh, this is not like Babcock doesn't care. About being an analyst for NBC Sports. But what he does care is about staying relevant in the league. And being good on the, live television broadcasts is a good way to keep yourself relevant, keep your name in the hat. He doesn't want to be wheeling around. Like he was talking about how he was working with coaches at the University of Vermont. That's not Babcock's retirement goal. Like Mike Babcock doesn't want to be wheeling around to D1 NCAA schools, you know coaching up the coaches of like those universities to end his career. He wants to be back in the league. He wants to be front and center. It's been well documented that he loves being in the spotlight. The contract with NBC is a good way to put himself into the spotlight and to try to win the court of public opinion because people will forget over time, particularly in markets south of the border. People in Toronto aren't going to forget people. Canadian fans aren't going to forget what he's done. Die hard, you know, Red Wings fans aren't going to forget what he's done, but, You know, if you're on a crap team or if you're looking for a coaching change, say, I don't know, what's a what's a team that's ready to for that would be ready to contend that needs a coaching change. Like look at like Vegas, for example, like they just flipped Gerard Gallant out last year for Peter DeBoer. Are you telling me the fans in Las Vegas wouldn't be excited for a coach of like the pedigree to come in like just off of a whim? I'm not saying that Vegas in particular, but I'm just suggesting that fan base is south of the border would probably be pretty excited to get a coach with Babcock's resume if they were struggling and underperforming in the regular season and needed to turn things around quickly.
1: Do you imagine him in NBC as an analyst, just preaching one of his eight mantras that he said post-game with the Leafs? I mean, just, you know, every day you come in, you got to work and do the good things right, and he's a good pro, and it's just like, I could just picture former players, I don't have. I don't want anything to do with this guy. I think it would be a brief stint, but like you said, Kenny, he wants to maintain his relevance in the league. And perhaps I was also maybe dialing in on Nashville. I mean, this is a team that went to the cup final in 2017 lost, but they could perhaps use a a big boost behind the bench and Babcock. Who knows? Maybe he wants to have a good time in Nashville, Tennessee.
0: I mean, not the worst place to be a coach. And I would expect, and we'll probably see a little bit different side of Mike Babcock for this NBC thing. He's going to have to loosen up. He's going to have to try to show a sense of humor. As I stated before, this is all about the court of public opinion. So to change your public, the perception of yourself outwardly, it's like you have to be a good guy or you have to look like you're a good guy as far as the audience is concerned. And to do that, you're going to have to lighten up, loosen up, crack a joke and give good analysis. Now, and I don't think that that's going to be an easy pill to swallow for him. But he's going to have to do it if he wants to get back into the league at this point.
1: Yes, and as an analyst, you're supposed to put the people on the panel at ease and the viewers at ease. So if he doesn't kind of dial it back a bit or add a little bit of levity, the door is going to shut on him from the viewers and from the network.
0: Funny enough, actually, I thought in the Maple Leafs game last night as well, it was kind of an effort that Babcock would have liked as far as. You know, they played a more defensively responsible game, limited the scoring chances. I thought Matthews in particular did a good job of back checking, staying down low, oftentimes matched up against Connor McDavid. On the evening, <laughs> it was kind of like one of those where Mac Babcock would say in the post game, oh, yeah, you know, we, we played a good game. We got good opportunities. We limited 97. And that's all you can do against this club when they got two top scorers. You just got to try to slow them down. You're not going to stop them completely, but if you can slow them down, you're going to have success a lot of the time. And I thought that Toronto, <laughs> for the large part, was able to do that last night, which was impressive against two of the best players in Canada.
1: Yeah, I'd say that the first period and and half of the second period was just dull, completely dull. Obviously, they got unlucky with the own goal on Muzzin on Kyler Yamamoto's goal. And then after that, it seemed to be a lot of neutral zone, misplays, ill-advised plays, a lot of clog up in the the neutral zone. And again, you know, I know we got our tweet of the day later in the segment, but I'm itching to tell you it now, Kenny, because it fits with this, but Brian yeah, Hayes, go, go
0: for it, go for it now. Tweet of the day. Tia,
1: Brian Hayes of uh, TSN Radio. Kenny knows him quite well. He said, "This is a pretty awful hockey game. Anyone that wants to snap out of it gets two points." It pretty much sums it up because it seemed to be a lot of wishy washy scrimmage type feel. When if you were a fan at that game last night in, a, in an otherwise normal season, I'd be like, "God damn it! I spent two hundred fifty bucks minimum on that, and I got a week." I mean, initially, Matthew's goal, I thought it was more pretty than it was. He did find just a bit of a squeak through Koskinen.
0: It was garbage.
1: It was not that great upon replay. And he <laughs> pickpocketed Zach Cashian. Imagine he pickpocketed McDavid. I mean, that would be blowing up this morning on highlight reel shows, but he didn't. And Zach Cashian also missed a two on one gaping four by six from Matthew's, a beautiful Matthew, or pardon me, beautiful McDavid pass. And you could just see McDavid's reaction afterwards. Like, how did you not? First of all, how did you not bury that? And second of all, how am I paired with a, a a fourth line scrub right now?
0: Yeah. Yeah, his numbers have been inflated over the past couple of years just because he's been playing alongside number 97, which we always joke or the analysts always joke that you could even get a couple points if you were playing alongside that guy because he's just going to fire the puck onto your tape. Just go to the net. Yeah, and he's going to draw a lot of the defense. So, yeah, that was a glaring miss by Cassian, and Lee fans were happy that it was him on the break and not somebody else. But certainly, it's got to be frustrating for McDavid that they haven't been able to find him solid wingers to play with. It's been a total disaster. Uh, One area of the game that I've been really impressed with through the whole season, and this has been a trend, and we mentioned that Manny Malhotra might help with this, Coming into the organization has been Toronto's play in the faceoff dot. Now, granted, Matthews going into which it was this year five, year five in the league, and then you have you know John Tavares, Jason Spezza, and Alex Kerfoot is would be the least experienced of the four centers. So you got a bunch of veteran guys, and Mal Holtra was notably one of the best faceoff men in the league. Oftentimes, his specialty on the teams that he played with back in the day, the Toronto Maple Leafs are first in the league in faceoff percentage right now winning just under 59% of their draws at 58.6 at the moment and there's certain nights like Matthews dominated McDavid in the dot last night i think Jason Spezza coming into not this contest but the last contest against Winnipeg was on some sort of heater where he'd won you know 16 or 17 draws in a row like he went 10 for 10 in the game before they played Winnipeg and then he was you know went 6 or 7 and 0 o oh in the faceoff dot you know halfway through the second period against the Jets. So they've been really impressive. And this is an important aspect of the game where you expect your centers to dominate. And they have been doing just that for Toronto. We've talked
1: about this at length. Matthews has to get engaged physically six hits last night. So obviously he picks up a goal, gets on the score sheet, but you know, when it's a dull game and there's not much happening, you have to resort to the physical side of things. And Matthews with that big frame, you know, he's, he's a big, big dude. He's got to lay in the body a little bit more, and he was showing that, not afraid to uh, to throw around the hits.
0: No, he's got to use his physicality to his advantage. He's a big frame, 6'3". I don't know exactly what he's listed at. He has to be probably around 220 pounds, I would expect, and he's still got room to grow. So if he can use that size and strength to dominate on the inside and shield the puck, then he's going to be that much more successful. And another aspect of the game that Mal has had an effect on, I think, has been the power play. And we've seen a number of different units rolled out there. It seems like sometimes they'll go to the big unit if they have an extended five on three. Sometimes it's more divvying up the talent, keeping Nylander and Tavares on one or Matthews on the other. But also we've seen Sheldon Keefe pretty happy just to throw out whoever's feeling good at that moment. Like last night, I thought that one of their best chances on the power play came where Nylander, sort of snapped a little saucer pass to Matthews on the back door and Koskinen was up to the task, who by the way, I thought played a really excellent game last night. He's had an awful, awful season, but he looked good against Toronto. I thought they had a number of scoring chances that he was able to shut the door. But Toronto's power play operating at over 37%, and I know it's early in the season, obviously those numbers will come down to earth a little bit, but I've been very impressed with what I've seen from the power play so far to this point in the season.
1: On the note of special teams too I know they gave up a power play goal last night, but in general to start the season, their penalty kill has been has been much better. And I know they've divvied up their their main penalty killers and Hyman and Mikhaev on different penalty kill units. Especially Mikhaev, man.
0: I, I He's looked I, really good. He's I have noticed really fast this year, to be honest.
1: Major, major improvements in in terms of his speed you know, to come back from that lacerated wrist injury. And he looks in fine form. I mean, sometimes when he carries the puck, he's just blowing by guys. It's just crazy. He's, he's, he's turned into one of the fastest players on the team since Kapanen's left.
0: Certainly. And when he gets on his horse, you're exactly right. He blows by people. We've seen it on the penalty kill. There was one sequence last night where he sort of zipped up the ice. I believe it was on the power play. Sort of took a shot, bad angle. Puck came around and he sort of wheeled around the back of the net came back picked it off in the neutral zone and brought it back in again (laughs) that's what you love to see that's what you love to see out of your third line winger and I would not be surprised at all looking with Joe Thornton dropping out of the lineup that Sheldon Keefe is probably going to have to shuffle some of those guys off the third line I know he didn't want to do it but without Robertson and now without Thornton you might be handcuffed. It might be time to break up the checking line unless you decide that you want to maybe bump Wayne Simmons up from the fourth, but I feel like you might be better served to either take Hyman or Mikheyev and put them on one of the first two lines to sort of even things out.
1: It's interesting too. Now with getting familiar with your six other foes in your division games, get that much tighter, you know, the intensity builds up and there's not a lot of time to stew on it. So you know, Matthew Kachuk was saying this earlier. It's like, yeah, it's great. We've had, you know, a great backbone in, in Jacob Markstrom, but there's not time to stew on games because you're probably playing that game or pardon me, you're probably playing that team the next night. Like look at Vancouver and Montreal, right? They go to it's absolute shootout, 10 goals in regulation. Then it goes to an actual shootout. It was Price like, and
0: Holtby too.
1: Yeah. And you don't have much time. You got to like, well, we're playing each other in... 12, 15 hours. So let's get to it and buried under the rug if we lost.
0: I think the players probably prefer this to be honest, or from what I've heard from players talking about in the past, you have a bad loss. You have a chance to come back, not always against the same team. Usually it'd be a different team in the second leg of the back to back, but you have an opportunity at least to go out there and just turn it around. You know, you have a loss, you can turn it around quickly in this case, it's actually, you don't have the games in back-to-back nights, but you have an opportunity to go back at the same team again two days later. We're going to see a lot of that in this Canadian division this this year. and all the divisions in hockey, you're going to be seeing this. And Toronto, notably, with the game against Edmonton on Friday, then a pair against the Flames, and then two more against the Oilers. So that's basically half their season series in a two-week span. By the contest on next Saturday night, there's going to be no love lost between these two teams. All right, let's head to Around the League. I thought that Colby looked you know, like a fish out of water last night in the net for the Vancouver Canucks, Carey Price, I and mean, he just ha- had an off night as well. This is not what you expect of these two netminders who are supposed to be established vets in the league. You can't be giving up five in regulation. It's unacceptable.
1: Well, how about the fact that a couple former Nucks are just embarrassing their former squad. I mean, Jacob Markstrom allowed two goals in two games it's against true. Vancouver, including a shutout. Tyler Toffoli puts up a hat trick. I mean, that's a little sour in the mouths of, of Canucks players and staff.
0: Yeah, they, they got the win, though. And this one hurts a lot more if Toffoli gets the game winning goal or if he scores a Hattie and you lose 5-4, then the management's they're like, uh, kill me now. You, know, you trade this guy to Montreal under the assumption that you're probably only going to have to see him two times a year. Now you have to see him eight or nine times. And you know that Toffoli has a chip on his shoulder every time he's going to be playing his former team. So that's probably something that Jimmy Benning wasn't bargaining for. Or maybe they, who knows, maybe they knew that it was going to be the Elk Canadian division back in the day. But certainly it's embarrassing for the former team when you're able to get dominated by a player that ended up either getting shipped out of town or left in free agency because you didn't want to sign them. You know, that both of which happened this week to the Vancouver Canucks, where they get embarrassed by the forward and embarrassed by the goaltender who formerly played for the team.
1: We were texting on Monday, I believe that's no Tuesday, pardon me, when the Jets and Sens were playing. I mean, what a gutsy gutsy effort from the Winnipeg Jets, down three one. And you know, they were down, I guess, two one. Three one was the empty matter against the Leafs. And that was a, a hard-fought win for them in the loss to the Leafs. So they come back, they weren't gelling, come back and win. Ehlers-Potts, the overtime winner, on the road. Huge, huge morale boost, I would say. And I was saying to my roommate, Spencer, too, like the Leafs and Jets have similar playing styles, similar mannerisms where they, they kind of run into the same situations. Obviously, on paper, Toronto is the better team. But I
0: kind of find some similarities between the two. Well, the Jets are one of the only teams... In the Canadian division that probably have the offensive pedigree that the Maple Leafs have, but I haven't seen really any comparisons as far as the way the Jets have played this season comparatively to Toronto. Like I thought they got dominated. I thought the Jets got dominated. I know we had differentiating differentiating opinions on this, but I thought that Toronto dominated the Jets in their win, in their three to two win. What was it on Monday? And I thought that they, for the large part of this game against Ottawa, were getting dominated again as well. I thought they were lucky that their backup netminder was up to the task as they gave Helia Buck the night off to rest up because they're going to need him for the rest of this season. This team's decor is depleted. They need to get healthy, and they need to get healthy fast because they just look to be getting abused on a night-in, night-out basis. And certainly, they need to start putting up some more goals. If you have this group up front, which we've well documented, I know Lainey missed some time, but... You know Shifley, Wheeler, Kyle Connor. You know they've got the depth up there to be putting more pucks in the back of the net. And, and I see you know rumors out there swirling around that Kevin Cheveldayoff should be looking to shop Blake Wheeler. And It's like, are you kidding? And that's where that's where the Jets are at right now. That they're thinking about rebuilding and just trading their captain away. I mean, you have a suitable candidates to replace him in Mark Shifley. But my goodness, this is uh, looking like it could be a disastrous season for Winnipeg unless they can turn it around and start getting some consistent efforts because if they continuously play the way that they've played their last two contests this week, it's going to be a very long and cold winter for the Winnipeg Jets this season.
1: Yeah, we're going to continue to differ on that because I actually thought they had a a pretty decent game against the Leafs. Remember, it was technically only 2-1. 3-1 was the empty netter. It was probably the most complete game the Leafs have had this season. But I thought still considering they didn't have line A, they're lacking considerable D depth. So when you don't have your star player in the equivalence of of your Austin Matthews for the Maple Leafs, it's going to hinder you big time. So I still think the Jets, I know people think they're a laugh. They're not a threat in the playoffs, but I still think they, they pose some similarities to the Leafs. Uh, Obviously the Leafs are, are a much, much more fine tuned team now, but Don't sleep on the Jets.
0: All I'm saying is that if you get outshot 41 to 28 by Ottawa, a team that everybody, everybody is picking to finish last in the division, and they've looked good at points in times. Like I don't think that they anybody's saying that they're going to be a pushover or anything like that. But like, come on, Brendan. Like they look like the the Winnipeg Jets should be handling. The young and up and coming Ottawa Senators instead of getting out to the tune, getting out shot to the tune of three to two in the contest. It's not an impressive performance. It's they haven't looked impressive to me really at any point so far this season. And I think that the results they're not going to be able to hide from that. If you're getting out shot three to two on a night in night out basis, that's going to start adding up in the loss column. Particularly when your netminders start to get fatigued from all the extra work that they're seeing and all the extra rubber they're seeing.
1: A team that is not worrying about their net minder getting fatigued is Vegas. I mean, my goodness, they look just incredible undefeated so far this season, four and zero, and just expecting a good result. When you have two number one goaltenders, they boast
0: the best tandem in the league. No, no doubt. Uh, I think Mark stone is going to win the heart trophy this year. Like, honest to God, on my life, I think that Mark Stone, I think it's his time to win the Hart Trophy, right? It's been well noted, his defensive prowess. Right now, he's leading the league in points. Seven points on the season so far in four games with the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, Tavares and Marner uh, tied among the league leaders for second in points with six points for both of them. So, yippee-ki-yay, that's what Toronto needs to get out of those players. But it just solidifies the fact that the Vegas Golden Knights made the right decision putting the C- on Mark Stone's jersey. This guy's a leader on and off the ice. I think that we noted his defensive abilities, but his offense abilities have been coming along really well over the last several seasons. I think we're going to see him showcase them this year. He was the Vegas Golden Knights scoring leader in the playoffs last season. He's picked up right where he left off, and I don't think that there's any question that at the end of the year, this guy's going to be right in that conversation for the heart. I think he's the front runner at this point for me in the season.
1: And to all your Marner avid lovers out there who chosen in fantasy obviously the loss hurts last night but they did change the scoring on the matthews goal it is now assisted by zach hyman and tj brody i don't think a lot of people had hyman in their fantasy pools but i knew my roommate who has mitch in his fantasy pool was a little a little sour
0: yeah where she goes <laughs> <laughs> i don't know sometimes they change the scoring after it, it is what it is uh happy for brody and Hy- hyman because yeah. i think that the uh, points hyman. are gonna need to go a little bit further sorry sorry continue i was just gonna say something about hyman but oh no i was, I was gonna say it's happy for those guys as uh certainly for hyman he's gonna want to tackle tally up all the points they can get entering a contract here here and there's been a uh, the fair amount of theories that that's why he's playing on the third line this season is to probably try to keep his production down a little bit, so it makes it a little bit more affordable for Toronto when they go to the negotiating table later on in the year. But he had ten uh, shots
1: the other night, career high.
0: He's just got. Sometimes he just got fired on the net, and it's a it's a cliche, but I think that's where Toronto has struggled at this season. Like tonight, or not tonight, but in the game last night, I think there was a lot of opportunities where they could have just put pucks on net, and you never know what happens. We saw it against the game the game against Ottawa earlier on the season on the Friday night, Ottawa was just throwing pucks at the net and you get a little bounce in front off somebody's ass and that bounces to the back door and you have an easy goal or you get a deflection in front. And next thing you know, you're up a couple, couple easy goals. And that's what you need in the stretch of a season. You need a couple bounces to go your way and to get some easy ones. And then you you know, Matthews is going to give you his fair share of easy ones by just ripping them past, but you need your depth players to contribute some garbage ones that'll get you on the board as well.
1: All right, let's get to your tweet of the day, Kenny.
0: Okay, my tweet of the day has nothing to do with sports, but I just find this account hilarious. The account is called Three Year Letterman. So basically, this guy is just a troll who goes around commenting false political fact and you know whatever it is, just trolling people. And notably, Joe Biden being inaugurated into office, he redecorated. The Oval Office, which he's every president does. Uh, One thing that people noticed was that he replaced Andrew Jackson's picture with Benjamin Franklin's. To which Mr. Letterman responded, "It's high time we recognize Ben Franklin, who literally invented electricity when he was president." Which people (laughs) would are quick to point out: a) he was never president; b) you can't invent electricity; it was discovered. But of course, he gets hundreds of comments underneath of people correcting him, and then. Basically, it's just unleash the unleash the ratioing because he has 200,000 followers and everybody loves to pile on anybody who doesn't realize they he's a troll. Just one of the best accounts to follow on Twitter would recommend <laughs> anybody who wants a good laugh. Follow at three year letterman
1: death taxes and Ken Stape on arguing with Twitter trolls. Just random accounts. xx seven zero zero Joey.
0: I can't respond to anybody that has seven numbers in their handle and no
1: profile pic.
0: Yeah, Figure no it's it a, it's it's over. You got to shut down. If you do, if you basically if you don't have a picture and it's or a name, like I'm not going to really engage in an argument with you because you're not even disclosing who you are as a person. So it doesn't seem like I don't want to say that makes the opinion irrelevant, but oftentimes I found that sometimes people get a little bit mean-spirited when they don't have an avatar. So those days are over for me. Uh, real accounts only i will tweet and people are welcome to comments but will not be engaging in further conversations with rick 708925 from the bridge at this time
1: <laughs> with eight followers uh, yeah, speaking exactly. of speaking of the death taxes another tweet i'll just add a second one whatever death taxes leafs fans arguing about whether or not kerfoot is any good <laughs>
0: yeah Uh, i love that well there's been a big conversation about frederick anderson just to add another player in there i thought that last night was actually his best game of the season just to bring it back to the leafs commentary i thought he was sound yeah and Kerfo is what he what is what he is he's a third line center i don't know it's like it's not it's not reinventing the wheel here he's pretty good checking he's a decent on the face-offs and he you know just does his job. Yeah. He's not good. Like you don't know him on the long line. Nights, but, exactly. Yeah, it's, <laughs> I don't know. I, I know people are will be clamoring for the days that Nazem Kadri was the third line center, but it's not realistic to keep three centers on your payroll at that skill level. I mean, because it's, it's uh, you aren't going to be able to divvy up the ice time. So I don't mind uh, Alex Kerfoot in that slot for the Maple Leafs. I've actually quite liked the way that his line with McKeever and Hyman have played to this point in the season. Two Canadian
1: matchups on the docket tonight: Jets and Sens. Habs and Nucks, and the rest are probably going to get postponed.
0: Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens down the road here. Uh, happy for the Montreal fans who get a an opportunity now to sniff out some revenge. Uh, I would expect to probably see Jake Allen uh, versus Thatcher Demko. I expect will be the goaltending matchup in that one, so slight advantage to Vancouver and likely this will be a one nothing 2-1 to game that ends in overtime after the Bushels of goals that were popping up last night for the Winnipeg Jets. They just need to get healthy. And until they're healthy, they need to get the all men on deck, all hands on deck mentality. A big opportunity to come back with a strong effort tonight against Ottawa after a couple poor efforts against the Leafs and the Senators the other night. Time to turn it around for Winnipeg because they could be digging themselves a pretty deep hole if they continue to play the way that they're playing. I know that they got the win against Ottawa, but if they keep playing like that, they are not going to get a lot of W's this season.
1: And for the Maple Leafs, they're off today. I'm sure they'll practice and have media avails via Zoom later, but they'll play the Oilers at home Friday again, and then they're hitting Cal, Calgary, at Flames Sunday, at Flames Tuesday, and then they'll meet the Oilers again, but in Edmonton later in the week. So they're going to be seeing a lot of McDavid
0: and Dreisaitl, the two-headed monster. I get so thrown out of whack just because the fact that they're playing the Canadian teams all the time. I'm like, oh, like, look, The Oilers, the Flames, and like you get a little bit more excited for those games because they mean a little bit more, but then you realize that you got 56 of them on the docket this season. So I'm going to try to, I'm sure there will be a point in time where this cools off a little bit, the whole novelty of playing a Canadian team all the time. But for now, as a a viewer of the sport, I absolutely love it. It makes those rivalries renewed, the rivalries between the cities renewed, and it's going to be great for the Canadian fan bases to get to see all the talented players that play from coast to coast. Just a reminder that Not Another Leafs podcast is brought to you by DraftKings. Download the DraftKings app now. New users enter the code THPN for exclusive offers at sign up. See you, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> oh. You know when you host the show, that means you have to exit the yeah, show. Yeah, I know. Right? I,
1: I, I'm <laughs> like, what? I was so focused on my intro. I was like, how do I right, get out yeah. of this? Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Leaves Pod, at B McCarthy95, and at Ken Stapon. Stay tuned for our episode. It's gonna be dropping later today, Jan twenty first. Have a good weekend. Enjoy the football. Enjoy the hockey, folks.